go. My name's Todd. This is Kathy. Welcome back to another episode of Zen Parenting Radio. This is podcast number 676. Why listen to Zen Parenting Radio? Because you'll feel outstanding. It's out, and always remember our motto, which is the best predictor of a child's well-being is a parent's self-understanding. Um, on today's show, uh, just a bunch of random stuff, I think. Not really. I oh, think we're going to... random. <laughs> Well, I I wanted to like kind of tie it all together because of the story you were telling me this morning. I wanted to talk about the difference between relieving anxiety and healing anxiety. Oh, okay. And I'm using those words very lightly because I don't really like the word heal because it makes it sound like it's something that you solve and is gone. Um, I think healing means just to me, I'm using it in like a deeper dive into something rather than relieving. I already have a hot take based on what you're calling this. Okay. Because I was thinking about the story you were telling me this morning and I thought it's kind of an anxiety based thing. And I also want to discuss, which I think is, will be easy for us to do the wisdom of it. Mm -hmm. I think that we have pathologized anxiety to such an extent where we're terrified of the feeling and we're trying to get rid of the feeling or trying to, you know alleviate it all the time versus like recognizing what it's trying to tell us. Yeah. It's there for a reason. It is. Um, one quick thing is if you are listening to this podcast and you enjoy it, one thing that I like to ask is tell a friend that helps us kind of reach more people. And I also want to talk about Team Zen. Um, I just quickly, before we press record on this podcast, came up with 10 reasons why somebody might want to consider joining the team. Well, can I start with what I was thinking about? So Todd and I, just so everybody knows, Todd and I are always trying to figure out a way to market Teams Zen. I think we've been doing it like five or six years. Yeah. And we're like, how do we explain what we're doing? So I was just thinking about the fact that, especially because we've added some new things, Teams Zen is a multiple support system. Multiple supports. Multiple supports. Multiple supports. And like, there's so many different ways to be supported. And I think that you are going to name some of them right now in your list. The first one on my list is we get two Zen, two live Zen talks a month Correct. on Zoom. Um, for the most part up till now, it's been just Kathy and I, but we are going to start introducing some parenting experts. Yeah. So like thought leaders, parenting experts, people that all of you will know. Um, and we used to do this. Mm-hmm. We used to have more experts on Team Zen. In the past, we've had Dr. John Duffy, Dr. Alexander Solomon, Michelle Card, Mercedes Samudio, Gemma Hartley, Debbie Reber, amongst others. You said those very fast. Uh, they are they are good friends and they are writers, authors, and some of them are podcasters and they are considered um, experts in the field of parenting. Um, the next thing. Number two is a private Facebook page. Right. Just for our community. Number three, access to over 150 private Zen Talks stamped and tagged so you can find the support that you need. So you don't have to shuffle through a bunch of well, Stop. and when he says Zen Talks, what he means are podcasts, because all of our live Zen Talks are made into podcasts. So we, after we do a Zen Talk, it goes into your podcast feed. Once you're subscribed, it goes, and you can only subscribe to it if you are a member of Team Zen. Yes. And what I do is I stamp it, I timestamp it, so you know exactly, like, if it's an hour Zen Talk, uh, at the 22-minute mark, we talk about this, and I and then I write down what the issue is. And the issue is usually a mom or a dad saying, hey, I need some support with this. And these are some of the tags that we have or okay. some of the topics. Anger, anxiety, body image, boundaries, college, COVID, death, depression, disobedience, divorce, eating disorders, emotional intelligence, emotional labor, friendships, grief, amongst many others. Mm-hmm. Um, so the next one. 
an option to join two micro communities. Yes. So micro communities, meaning within our community, because we already have a Team Zen virtual community, there are people who wanted extra support and connection on a certain topic. So one of our um, micro communities is about neurodivergence neurodivergence. Um, and, uh, the other community is about separation and divorce. That's right. Uh, the next one, there's a profile directory so you can make friends. You can Mm. find out what my favorite movie lines are or what my favorite TV shows of all time are or books. And everybody in on the team can fill out the profile so you can kind of get to know some of the people. And you can find out if people are live near you. Because mm-hmm. again, this, you know, one of the things about our virtual community is it's, it's people from all over the United States and also all over the world. So it's, you know, you, a lot of people join Team Zen because they're like, I don't know anyone in my community who thinks about these things or talks about these things or wants support in these things. So uh, the next one exclusive content for instance the virtual conference that yeah. we just did yeah where we broke down all seven of your chakras in so your book we did a virtual conference in february that was in place of our in-person conference and like todd said we did um each chapter of my book and we also invited a bunch of amazing speakers amazing the speakers. only way to get access to that is to join the team uh-huh. uh number eight uh, workshop you and I did on sex ed for the 21st century. Mm-hmm. It's no- free. Number nine, videos of Smokey, our three-legged rabbit. Yes. And last but not least. Is that really the only way people can get um, videos of Smokey, our three-legged rabbit? Yeah, because I just posted on the Team Zen Facebook page. Mm. Um, and then lastly, uh, you can rest peacefully at night, at night with the knowledge that you're helping Kathy and Todd continued to podcast on every Tuesday. And help other people in the, in the community. That's right. In the team. Wait, was that 11 or 10? That was 10. Okay. Um, and the tagline given from, I think, uh, I forget which of our team members gave this to us, zero pressure, 100% support. And the reason why I love that tagline is because people can join Team Zen and do whatever they want. They can either show up for everything and ask questions and talk, or they can just listen to the podcast when they get into their feed and check out the you know, Facebook page when they want to. Um, they don't have to do anything. And it's a thing Todd is an extroverted teacher. He likes people to join groups and do dances and say things. And I, I like that sometimes, but I'm a little more introverted. Do and, dances? You know, you like people, you want people to get up and jump and stuff like jump that. Jump around, jump and around. And I'm a little more like, let people, I'm more introverted. And I'm like, if people want to do that, great. But if they just want to listen and be a voyeur and just like seek out um, information and listen to podcasts, then you can do that. We're not going to make you do anything. So... <laughs> Right. How many times do you think you've heard this song? Uh, a million. At least a million. You and I started dating in college when this song was popular. Back in the old days. Back in the old days. So whatever year that was, it was probably 92 or 93 or something like that. That's right. Oh, and so as far as Team Zen goes, last but not least, um, we have four events this month. Um, there's a separation divorce micro community on September 25th, Zen talk, October 3rd, Zen talk, October 19th. And then team Zen presents Dr. John Duffy for Zen talk number 153. So Duffy's back everybody. Yes. So if you want to ask Duffy questions, 
Um, Dr. John Duffy, he's the author of um, Parenting the New Teen in the Age of Anxiety and also The Available Parent. If you want to ask him questions, talk to him. He's amazing, and he will be with us. What's the date again? October 28th. But again, this is just Team Zen. Yeah. Um, so multiple supports, Todd. What do you think of my tagline? I like it. We'll work on it. For some <laughs> we'll reason, I, for some reason, I thought of a jock strap when you said multiple supports. <laughs> so I don't know if that's exactly. You might have to go to the. Why would a jock strap be multiple supports? Well, you're supporting more than one thing with a jock strap. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Oh God, Kathy Team came Zen. Down. She's like, what if we say Team Zen is a jockstrap? Yes. <laughs> or I think we should call it jump around. <laughs> jump around. Now you can jump around. Yeah, that's right. Because you have a multiple support system. <laughs> pack it up, pack it in. Let me begin. All right. Uh, you uh, ready? 25 bucks a month. So okay. if you're interested, All right. go to Team Zen. Go, go to the <laughs> link in the show notes, whatever. Okay. Do you want me to start? Sure. Why don't you just tell your story from this morning? Well, what about uh, the Zen Parenting moment? Should we skip that till next week? Well, let me just say this so you don't have to discuss it. What I decided to do for the for starting two weeks ago is I had been writing about the uh, you know Buddha's four noble four noble truths, and I decided to just share the first noble truth, and it kind of went crazy. Like everybody was like emailing me about it or like, oh, this is interesting or. It just, the open rate was like crazy. So I was like, oh, I think I'll write about the second noble truth. You touched a nerve. I did. And I, I kind of, sometimes Todd has to remind me that the things that I study, that not everybody is studying them. Like That's I just one assume, of your blind spots. It is. You're like, oh, you know how everybody knows what the third noble truth is by their memory? Uh, I just assume, I'm like, nobody needs to hear this. They read about this. And Todd's like, no, they don't. Mm-hmm. Um, so we did the first noble truth and then... This week, I did the second noble truth. And basically, the noble truths are about um, uh, suffering and that there is a way to decrease our suffering. Um, And, you know, that's what it's about. But the first noble truth is often translated as life is suffering. And people get really, like, uncomfortable with that. And they're like, that's so negative. And the whole gist of it is, again, that's a translation, first of all. Um, But all they're trying to say, all Buddha was trying to say. You mean the Buddha wasn't speaking English? (laughs) No. All Buddha was trying to say is life is paradoxical. To live, it means death. When you love you can lose. When there's light, there is dark. And you and life is about understanding that. And that even the thing I wrote about that I appreciate the most as a parent is that sometimes we have moments with our kids that are really joy-filled. And even in that moment, we're feeling anxious. And people get so upset at themselves. And they're like, oh, I was having such a good moment with my kid. And all of a sudden, I got anxious. And that's because it's the other side of the coin. Because you realize that that moment is special and that you can never have that moment back again. And that feeling of joy also illuminates the wholeness of it, mm. which is that it's fleeting. And I think we we are uncomfortable with that idea. We want everything to be surfacy, flat, and binary. <laughs> I'm either good or I'm bad. I'm either... And you can't have one without the other. And it's so it's just... I find the noble truths to be really very similar to what we're always talking about on the show and the eightfold path of Buddhism. It, it's just understanding these basic under these basic um, concepts concepts about life and about the way our mind works. And if we do that, then we're less we're so much more compassionate toward ourselves. That's kind of what I'd say. All right. You know what I think about them? What's we very noble. 
They're so noble. Um, okay, so in prepar- in preparation for today's show, I asked, I told Kathy, I've been listening to this podcast that we both love called The Rewatchables. There's a guy named Bill Simmons, and he... It might be like my top, one of my top three podcasts of all time. And I'm just like binging them. Like I have no interest whatsoever Mm -hmm. in learning anything, (laughs) Mm -mm. no personal growth, Mm -mm. no self-help. And, you know, these phases happen to me. And then, you know, the pendulum will swing and all of a sudden I'll be reading two books in a row, which is rare for me. Uh, But right now I'm in this, like, just give me something easy to listen to. Well, and let me challenge you a little bit, Todd. You know, talk about something that Todd and I both love pop culture. Obviously, everybody who listens to the show knows this. And we love movies and we love talking about actors and we love talking about roles and we recite movie lines to each other. It's just kind of the way that we relate to each other. And the thing is, is you're like, I'm listening to the rewatchables and it's just I'm not having to think, I'm not having to learn. And the truth is, everything about the rewatchables is diving deep into um, like the movie itself, why directors do what they do, the some of the fun and the joy of it, the what actors have done previous. And to me, it's not necessarily about memorizing that, but there is some self-awareness in it. I always find something in the rewatchables that I think is, you know, you know, Bill is Bill and I love him, Bill Simmons. And but he has the people that come on like Sean is like an expert in movies and has an understanding of them that's, you know, he understands movie history. And then Chris, I believe, is just as knowledgeable about those things. So I think that it is, even though we're not learning per se in like a traditional way, it is stimulating. Don't you think? Uh, It's stimulating. And the word that I would use is entertaining. Entertaining. Okay. And, you know, Kathy and I have spent a lot of time reading books and listening to podcasts and watching YouTube on inspirational stuff. And like right now, I'm just very honest. I'm just candidly sharing with the audience. Like I'm not into any of that right now. Well, and I'm going to say something again. Yesterday, you were watching a documentary about mental illness. That's true. But then I turned it off because I'm like, I don't want this. I don't want the heaviness of it. Okay. It was called Hidden in Plain Sight. Uh Uh-huh. I will revisit it. Okay. I do think it's an extremely important documentary, and I hope to talk about it on the podcast after I listen to it. Uh, Ken Burns is the producer. You can get it on Amazon Prime and I think many other sharing streaming platforms, but it's called Hidden in Plain Sight. I think it came out earlier this year, and it's it's all about mental illness for all ages, teenagers, old elderly people. And, you know, if Ken Burns is attached to it, you know, it's good. Well, and speaking of, as long as you said that a documentary came out last night that Ken Burns did, um, and it's about America and the Holocaust. Yeah. So it's a very timely, um, he, I, what I read today was that he actually kind of rushed it along because mm-hmm. he wanted it out mm-hmm. because he's seeing a lot of things as many people are that are, we would call fascism, mm-hmm. um, that we would call scary, yeah. that a, and, and actually last week, for those of you who listened last week, um, we had on two of my favorite people of the world, um, Sarah and Nippy, uh, who were, who are leaders as far as talking to people about um, cults and cultish things out there in the world that we can all get roped into. They uh, left Nexium many years ago, which was a cult, and um, they also are in a documentary called The Vow. And uh, The Vow Part 2 comes out in October. And I just love talking to them. I got so much good feedback from people about that podcast about how there are still people out there who think that cults are people who are wearing robes and who are like somehow deranged or something's wrong with them. And the thing is, is we are all, we could all be pulled into something 
that is occult or cultish. And I have personally. So that is why they're like heroes of mine. Um, and I think that if we don't understand that, then we are even, what did Nippy say? Like people who are, who think. People who are so certain that there's no way they would ever get courted or seduced by a cult is. Are the, they're the most susceptible. The, the most susceptible to prime targets. Exactly. Um, so yeah, I, I love all of our podcasts, but if you're going to pick one to listen to, that was one that was really enlightening for me and I think for Kathy. So yeah, just super interesting. And, and there's more to learn from them. Like they have a podcast called A Little Bit Culty and it's important. So it's not just the, it's not just learning about other people. It's learning about us. This is us and what's happening in our own country and what we're seeing. So anyway, just because you said Ken Burns, I think that the the documentary is called America and the Holocaust. Yeah, and I listened to an interview um, with him mm -hmm. this weekend. And it's funny, here I am saying that I, I'm <laughs> I know, not listening. I know, that's um, why I'm questioning you. There was a, um, one of the podcasts, Ken Burns was being interviewed and it was all about that documentary. Yeah. And um, it's uh, like, I would love to say, yeah, I'm going to watch it. It's going to be hard can be tough. But I think we're going to see what he's trying to put together. And you tell me if I'm wrong, because I haven't watched it yet. But is what we're seeing now mm -hmm. is reminiscent of then. Mm -hmm. And if we don't understand the cycles of history, then we will, you know, it's such a cliche, we will repeat and repeat and repeat. And so I, this connects also to, to education. When we have people who believe our children should not be learning about certain things from our culture's in our, our country's history. And they're like, no, we don't need to learn that. We just want to learn reading and writing and math. It, we need to know our history so we don't repeat it. It's, it's actually about recognizing not just the negative things that have occurred, but we need to recognize the people who stopped certain things, who people who stood up, the, the, the heroes who, who were willing to take a stand. We need to know those people as well. This is not just about, you know, focusing on the negative. It's also focusing on the heroic and acts where people were not indifferent. They actually took a side, as Ellie Weisel would say. Well, we could, uh, I'm sure we could spend the rest of our, uh, of this podcast, rest of our time together talking about this question I'm about to frame, but I'll just frame it and then we'll move on. Okay. With the Holocaust documentary, there's a part of me that feels um, the responsibility uh -huh. to watch it. Uh-huh. And knowing that, of course, there's going to be some heroes in it, but it's going to be, I don't think I'm going to leave upon watching it in a really good mood. I mm -hmm. think I'm going to be somber and melancholy mm -hmm. and sad. And I'm like, so that's, one is the responsibility to stay informed and to understand what human beings suffered through and what other human beings did. Mm -hmm. The other side of it is, like if I know I'm just gonna, it's just gonna depress the crap out of me. Why am I doing it? Right. And I, I at this moment, I don't have an answer for it. Like, well, and there's depress the crap out of you, and then there's learn. I mean, you and I have. I mean, just I don't want to compare because these were like movies in a theater, but we did go see Schindler's List. We did go see Saving Private Ryan. Right. We have gone to see things where it's like this is supposed to be amazing, and yeah. like you said, it's Ken Burns, and you take it in doses. And going back to what you're saying about the rewatchables is I have certain times of a day that I want to listen to certain things. Mm -hmm. I don't wake up and listen to a true crime podcast. Yeah. That's not a great way for me to start a day. I usually wake up and listen to something that is educational, that is supportive, that is interesting, or is an interview with someone that 
that I really respect or admire. And then as the day goes on, like say at, at nighttime, I will maybe be cleaning the kitchen and be like, okay, now I might listen to a more like true crime-ish thing yeah. or like a history of something that's a little more heavy because I have more um, – I'm more solid, yeah. you know what I mean? And I can tolerate it. Um, and sometimes it goes the opposite way. Sure. Uh, we have to, there's no one way to do it, but I think the rewatchables of what you're saying about it is that is our like go-to when we're like, I just want to kind of be in the middle. Yeah. Yeah. I don't really want to, I don't want like, I don't, I don't like the term eye candy. Um, have you ever candy? heard that term? Oh, sure. Um, where you're just like watching something that's entertaining, you know, Mm -hmm. and I feel like that's what the rewatchables is for me. It's just like ear candy. Yeah. It's just, well, and it's funny and makes us laugh and it, it brings together. And again, I think Todd, you know how you say that the things that I read and study, I assume everybody knows, but I don't think a lot of people listen to shows about movies the way you and I do. Yeah. I think we're weird. I do too. And, and I think it's weird that not everybody would really be attracted to that podcast. Well, and he, just to give you guys an example, and Todd and I love this, they did the Heat. They did Heat, the movie, Michael Mann's movie Heat with De Niro and Pacino, very early. Then they did the reheat where they did it again. The same guy talked about the same, same movie thing. again for another hour and a half. And then they did what did they call it? The, the three heat. heat, where they talked about Heat again, but they brought they brought Michael Mann on so he could talk about it too. And Todd and I were invested in all three. Yeah. Like we were not like bored. Yeah. Um, I have listened to the same podcast that they offer, you know, the same movie. Like yesterday I was listening to Manhunter, mm-hmm. um, which is, I've probably listened to like four or five times. I just, I, you know, they're good. And so I'm with you. So what was going to be your comment about that is all you were going to say was, because I thought you were going to talk about the fact that you could not relax yesterday. That was the next thing. Okay, go so ahead. So yesterday it was Sunday. It was a beautiful day out. And I had a stack of things on my desk that I felt the need to do, but uh-huh. it was also football Sunday and uh-huh. it was nice. So I brought the TV out on the deck we're lucky enough to have a deck that has a TV. I just bring it in from the garage. So I'm watching it and enjoying some mindless NFL entertainment. And I'm like, I should be I should be doing something productive because tomorrow morning's gonna hit and I'm gonna I don't wanna have to catch up on some of this stuff. I wanna start fresh. Okay. So I went in the house and started going through a bunch of mail and just like it wasn't like work stuff. It was like bills and banking. I and love it when Todd does banking at the table because he looks like he wants to like, <laughs> like ju- e- jump off a bridge. Like Ebenezer Scrooge. I know. He like gets quiet. I know. And like he's like, um, he's just gets really, like his energy gets low and I hear him call customer service people and he gets, he, you're always kind to people. You're never mean, but you're just kind of, um, you know. So I'm in there. So I switched from the deck in NFL into the house to do be productive. And then when I was in the house being productive, I'm like, oh my God, it's like 70 degrees outside. I have a deck and a TV and all I want to do is watch football. And I realized that I put myself in this no win situation. Yeah, I painted myself into this corner and I tried to do a little bit of both and I was miserable doing both things. Yeah. That's it. Well, and I think that, you know, we're going to talk about anxiety today. Um, I think that you have a certain speed with productivity where you feel like if I'm doing all these things, I feel good, I feel worthy. And it's a kind of productivity that you've like built up to where you're like, I have to do this much 
to feel like I can relax. You know, you have kind of a, um, you probably are, it's an unconscious place. You know, it's like a tank that's unconscious in you. And you're like, if it's not full, then I need to do something else. I think the only time you are really fine with just doing nothing, um, or I shouldn't even call it doing nothing. The only time you are fine with sitting outside on the deck watching football is if someone is over Mm-hmm. Or if we are all out there with you, yeah, it's like a built-in reason to be, I don't indulgent, which is not how about the right enjoyment. Word. Enjoyment, because yeah. that's there the thing go. is even the words that your brain pulls out yep. demonstrates that you think it's a problem, right? And if we all are out there, then fix you're me, like, sweetie, fix, <laughs> me. fix me, fix me. You're like, this is family time, and family time is good, and family time is one of my buckets, and family time is something, you know, like you. And so sometimes if someone's like, well, I'm going to go do something else, you get really worked up about it. Like, but it has to be family time. Oh, yeah. If one of my kids is upstairs watching TV while we're watching Karate Kid, which would never happen because we watch Cobra Co- Kai. We watch Cobra Kai together. But yeah, if there's designated family time and one of the kids is gone, that's a problem. Well, but it, and that's the thing is like, I would. Would, and and this is I don't know this to be absolutely true, but you tell me, it's almost unfair in that if one of our kids feels content being by themselves for the day and their version of relaxation is being in their room and doing their thing, and you're like, but I can't Sweetie, relax. Whose needs are we talking about? We're talking about my needs. I know. Whose needs comes important? Mine comes well, first. And let me finish this sentence: is that if you're like you're, you need to be here, so I feel like I'm doing a family time and checking the box. Then, like you said, it 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 is a little. I mean, I'm very um, vocal for the kids in these ways. And and Todd's always, you know, he's joking with them. He's not really mad at them, but I can tell that he's like, no, no, we're all going to do this now. And I believe in family time and you and we have dinner and we have our shows we watch together. So we have made it part of our, our family culture. So it's not as if we're not doing that. But then when you are like, I'm ready for it, not everybody's always ready for it. So I'm going to be cheesy here for a okay. second. My best example of family time would be like we all go for a walk together are you right which doesn't ever happen well in and all five of us why would five like where are we gonna walk we would crush that walk where we're gonna be like down two people the street up there. say hi to neighbors no no i don't mean where are we gonna go there's but five people walking together is not that we would easy be a wrecking crew okay, this is like when todd and i were deciding if we should have a third child and he's like i want the chaos yes give me the chaos i'm like dude that's not a good selling point to have a third child like i that's not helpful um but like it's okay like i think it's lovely when people actually want to do something. I like the idea of that we're all being our genuine selves and that when you and I say, we're going to go for a walk and Sky's like, I'll go, that she's like choosing it and not being like her arm behind her back and we're like, you're coming. Guilted into it. Guilted into it, yeah. right. And so, but I do understand, but it's what's interesting about it is, let's talk about the difference between relieving anxiety and healing anxiety, okay? okay? And we'll use you. Mm-hmm. So- the whole idea of relieving anxiety is that we are going, we're, we're having certain certain feelings and that, first of all, I'm sorry, I got to back up, back up one more time. Hold on one second. Okay. <laughs> Go ahead. okay. So I got to back up and say that I believe and know, and I'm saying this as a therapist, that, that anxiety is wise. 
yes, anxiety can become too chronic and it can become too loud and controlling and controlling. And we definitely require support with it. I, I mean, all of my therapy that I've done or most of it has been around anxiety. So I'm someone who's always asked for help with anxiety, but I also believe that our body is inherently wise. Our mind is inherently wise. We are built that way. And so when anxiety, when those bells are going off, when we're having those certain feelings, they are not like a, they do not mean that there is something wrong Mm -hmm. with us. There means, and when I say wrong, I mean the big W, like something is wrong and we have to fix it. It's something is off and we need to look at it. It's about curiosity within our own body and mind. So anxiety is like a little bell that's like, hmm, something is not being looked at. I'm, I need to stay curious about that. Just like if you have not been drinking water and you start to get thirsty and you start to have symptoms of like dehydration, your body's really smart. It's saying drink some water. Yeah, alarms go off. Alarms are going off. So I just want to say that about about anxiety too, which I'll keep coming back to, but I, I think we give it, we we act like, you know, we'll be like, our culture is so anxious right now and and it's, you know, we're overwrought with anxiety. I don't necessarily disagree with that. I talk we talk about anxiety on the show a lot, but I also think we have to get to this core component is it's supposed to work for us if Anxiety's we pay attention. Here to serve us. Exactly. Okay. So with that said, before I, yes. I just want to like sure. we're working we're workshopping this in real time. Because you right. said relieving anxiety versus healing anxiety. I want to add one more. Okay, please. Numbing anxiety. So I don't, I don't, I, literally at this moment, I don't know exactly what direction you're going to go in between relieving and healing. But one of the things that I do is numb out in not a positive way. Could we call that a version of relieving it? Yes, I do. But I feel like would, is reveal it like in your um, example, uh-huh. relieving versus healing. I didn't know which one was considered like the most productive or the best. Well, I, I kind of see that what I saw in my head when you said that is if we said relieving anxiety and that was Roman numeral one, yeah. then A, a would and be B. numbing. Right. You know what I mean? Like that is a version. It's not a great version of right. it. I mean, sometimes in a moment, it may be all we can do to get through it. Sure. Um, and that's the thing is like, I think what you'll never get from Todd and I is like, do this, do that, right, wrong. It doesn't exist. Everything is nuanced. Everything has a continuum and everything is very personal to you and your experiences and the way your mind is working and why it's working that way, because based on your history, your trauma, your experiences, your culture, where you live, all those things. So it's way too um, intricate for us to say this is right or wrong. But to Todd's point, numbing is something that I think when we are feeling, because ang- if you're feeling anxiety, the first step is always like, Instead of a denying of it, it's like a what's happening, an like, awareness, an awareness of an it, acknowledgement you know? of it. Exactly, it's almost like, and I and I know this will feel really like really, you know, people might question this, but you almost move toward it. Mm-hmm. Like what, what, what is we'll this? Get like investigative about it or explore it, yeah. Versus resist it and pretend it's not there or get away from it as quickly as possible. And you know, I'll say that there is this thing that um is that's often offered by therapists, and it's like a a a concept of like a more of a family-based treatment when it comes to 
um, a child who has uh, anxiety. And it's called, the acronym is SPACE, mm. and it's Supportive Parenting for Anxious Childhood Emotions. And I, the reason it just came up in my head again is because I was talking to a friend about it yesterday because it was something that was recommended to her. And basically the idea of space, this supportive environment for kids is that parents are actually doing two different things at once. Number one, they are decreasing the discomfort about experiencing anxiety. Mm -hmm. Like that's something you and I focus on a lot is that I think when children, no matter what age, teenagers, even adults for that matter, when we have anxiety, it gets exacerbated when we think something is so wrong with us and that we need to hide it and pretend we don't have it. And we have this misunderstanding that we look around and that everybody else is fine. Well, it's almost like there's, um, I, I we did the NAMI walk on Saturday and they talk about stigma a lot. Yeah, stigma. Anxiety mm -hmm. has a stigma to it. Yeah. And, and we as human beings are so like keyed in on that word that we got to like move away from it as quickly as possible. If we could just say, oh, I'm anxious right now because most of the time when I'm anxious, I don't even, I'm not even aware of it. Yeah. Or you like don't take enough time to be like, oh, this is anxiety. Right, exactly. And for people who are like, I don't experience anxiety, that's a problem. Mm -hmm. If you literally never have any kind of anxiety, then you're missing something that's really important for human beings to thrive. Right. So- you know, for people who are like, that's just not something I could understand. Baloney. You, they're, or, or that's not great. Yeah. You know, like, I, I guess my point is, is that it is something so human and it is a way that we are built to keep us healthy. Keeps us alert. For some reason, I keeps remember wise. a coach one time saying, I was telling him I was nervous before a game and he's like, that's great. The Absolutely. last thing you want to do is walk into a game with lethargic energy. Well, in anxiety, actually, you know, and I'm sure everybody's, well, maybe they haven't. Todd's always like, no, they haven't. The anxiety, the feelings that happen and what happens in our body is very similar to what happens when we get excited. Mm -hmm. It's the same kind of feelings and energy going through our body. So you can have an experience of like going and speaking to a group or going and playing your sport or going and singing a song in front of people or or even just going into like a, a cocktail party. And there's this feeling of anxiety. And a lot of times we think that means we're supposed to run. But actually what the anxiety is doing is waking us up, making us more alert and helping us like turn on. And if we can view it, and again, let me be clear because I always feel like I have to do this for people. It can get too much. Mm -hmm. Like I know that that can go way too far. And so then we do end up with social anxiety or separation anxiety and things that become too extreme. And I get that. But in if we have an understanding of it, if we're curious about it, and if like I remember Bill Hader did a video mm -hmm. a couple of years ago where he was – he's he struggles with anxiety. He deals with anxiety and he has his whole life. He's very open about it. And he – talked about how what he learned in therapy was how anxiety for him was like a monkey on his shoulder. And instead of like trying to push that monkey off or like be angry at it, it's like, oh, there you are. I know that you live there. And that's part. And yeah, you can. And, you know, a lot of people say, you know, you don't get rid of the anxiety. You take the anxiety with you as you go do something. It, it's just there. And can you like relate to it in a way that is less is disharmonious a word? That's not a word. I Disharmony? Love to, disharmony. I don't, I don't know if disharmonious is. Yeah, it's not a word. But more harmonious, let's say that, where you're like, this is just a part of me. This is like what happens. This is, 
you know, like My Little Pony, that show, I don't think they came up with it, but they get credit for it, at least in our house, that the whole idea of being nervous-sided, that you're nervous and excited and you're nervous-sided and the normalization of that word where you're like, oh, I have butterflies in my stomach, not I should run, but this is what happens when I do something that's kind of a big deal for me. I found the part where Bill Hader talks about the monkey. The monkey? Okay, yeah your anxiety and I always imagine my anxiety as this little monster that would kind of attack my face or pull up my ears or you know uh, and instead of pushing that thing away and trying to fight it I would just go hey oh hey buddy you know it was like a little uh, monkey and I would just kind of go okay here let's sit on my shoulder sit on my shoulder let's hang out let's just chill out you know it's a four-minute video, but it's really good. And it's just and, – and these are the things when we're talking about curiosity. And it takes – you know, I think sometimes, Todd, the people don't want to dig into this because they don't feel like they have the time. Do you or, feel like that? Yes, and it's uncomfortable. Sure. Good point. Yeah, so two things. We feel in a rush all the time, and we don't want to look at uncomfortable feelings because they are – Uncomfortable. uncomfortable. And one of the most important parts of being human is, rec- and again, this goes back to the first noble truth, part of being a human being is not learning how to, it's not about learning how to push away discomfort or numb discomfort. It's learning how to understand discomfort, manage discomfort, and and be curious about it. And I want to say something just because I was just thinking, we were just talking about Sarah Nippy, like, Sometimes in cultish experiences, I, I'm thinking about Keith Raniere, something he used to teach. He was the leader of Nexium. He used to talk about embracing discomfort, and he used to talk about that discomfort's a good thing, and discomfort, you always want to be in discomfort. And that's too extreme, too. Right. Like, why he was doing that is he was trying to get people to stop listening to the discomfort. Too far. There's that quote yeah. that says, life begins outside of your comfort zone, right. which is true, but right. if all you're doing is jumping in the deep end of the pool or the lake all the time all the time and and all you know is discomfort is not that's not healthy either and it's okay for kids and adults to seek comfort like i think that's another thing we get uncomfortable about this is so this is such an onion there's so many layers is that when our kids do want to relax or chill or go to bed early or take a nap we're like you're being lazy mm-hmm. it's okay to want comfort and if you can find it if you know how to get it, like I have. Um, but what if it's, uh, oh, yeah, I, I'm going to go there and I'm going to go have five beers or I'm going to smoke some weed or I'm going to go shopping on Amazon. Right, like, right. how are we getting that comfort? Well, I would I would call all of that numbing. Yes. I wouldn't call that finding comfort. And, and I think I'm just playing with words here because your point is, is, is super important is that there and I have to I teach a. Um, I teach social work at a university and we talk about this differentiation all the time with my social work students is sometimes when we say things like go find comfort and the kid's like, well, that's why I'm going to play video games for three hours. That's an escape and that is a numbing. Now, if you're playing for a bit and you're playing with somebody and you kind of, you know, it's fun and it's part of your life, that's one thing. But if it's the only way that you feel joy, then you're actually not in your life. And you're not processing through the anxiety you are escaping from it. And um, yeah, so it's, the whole thing is nuanced. It is. And it's very simple. Like, again, let's talk about, because I was differentiating between relieving anxiety and healing anxiety. And, you know, like this morning, um, one of my daughters who's very um, thoughtful about the difference between her 
um, she's done a lot of work on, am I feeling emotional discomfort? Am I feeling physical discomfort? Are they combined as one kind of overriding the other? And this morning she actually said when she got up, emotionally I'm fine, but I'm actually feeling like physically not great. Now they had homecoming this weekend. There was a lot going on, a lot, you know, dances, um, you know, time with friends, just a big, as you know, everybody remembers from homecoming, you know, it's just a lot of like, you're not going to bed at the right time, all that kind of stuff. So I'm not surprised that she physically doesn't feel good. Now, there's two things I want to say in this. I always feel like, you know, here's an example. A lot of times we'll just say, well, you shouldn't have stayed up so late. So we're like really judgmental when our kids come to us with their discomfort. Mm -hmm. Well, then don't do that anymore. Well, maybe you should stop doing that. Like we can be very, instead of compassionate, we're very judgmental and we're, we're, what's the word when we're like accusatory, Mm -hmm. like you did this to yourself. And they're just trying it's, to share. It's the opportunity to say, I told you so. Right. That's another version of I told you so. What was the thing yesterday where I said, how did it feel when you told our kid I told you so? And you said, I did. I never do that. What was that? What was that? Um, um, I think it was something about Cam. Oh, it was hair. What? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll tell, I'll tell that story in a second. But finishing this thought, because we're like on 10 different thoughts here, is that she said, I physically know I just don't feel great. And- You know, the first thing that she knows because she's in high school now and we've talked about this throughout her whole life is if you ever are sick at school or if there's any if there's ever a problem, you just call us. Do you know what I mean? Or go to the nurse or, you know, like she I feel like something we. Yeah, but then they're going to call the nurse every single day, sweetie. I know. Believe me. How many times like there's always a story of like if I tell my kid they can go to nurse, they'll go there every day. And that may be true for your kid. And that may not that may be their numbing. Is going to the nurse. Do you and see what I mean? And it may also not be true. And it may also not be true. Maybe if they could, if they knew they could go to the nurse or call home, maybe it would lessen their anxiety. Maybe it's your anxiety that's keeping them from going. And these are all the things we have to be curious about. Any of the things we just said could be true for your kid. And so I don't know your kid. You know, I don't know exactly what's going on with them. I just know. Let me go back to my daughter. She said, I also said, how about, um, you know, when you're sitting, cause you know, her sister was getting ready to go. And so she still had like five, 10 minutes. I said, why don't you have some tea? She's like, Oh, tea sounds really good. Now, did I like solve her physicality with tea? No. Was that like the solution, everything? No, but there was something about it that she was like, that sounds nice. And I made it. I was like, I'll make you some tea. So there's all sorts of pieces to this. Number one, I know my kid likes tea. Number two, me doing something for her so she feels supported. Number three, it's kind of like, I feel not great. And that's something that might help. These are, this is connection. This is acknowledgement. This is an actual drinking something warm that'll feel good. It didn't solve that. It's a relieving. That's the difference. Like I'm talking about relieving and she was like, okay. And she took it with her. And some days that's not going to help. Like some, you know, for those of you who are like, okay, check, I just use tea. There is, that's not always going to be the thing. She may wake up and say, no, that's not what I want. And that's okay too. You know, we're all human beings and sometimes I want tea. Sometimes I want coffee. Sometimes I want neither. Sometimes I want water, you know, like we're all different, but there are reasons why we practice figuring out new ways to relieve our own anxiety and to support our kids and helping them relieve it. So, because sometimes anxiety is just, you know, like it's kind of one of those things where when you're driving in the car to go somewhere, the anxiety's high. Once you get in the building, you're fine. 
Um, can we go back to what you started with, which is relieving anxiety versus healing anxiety? Yeah. For me, just not knowing what you had in mind, uh -huh. relieving seems to be a temper temporary relief, uh -huh. which isn't a bad thing. It's a good uh -huh. thing. Whereas healing anxiety means it's more permanent. Is that what you were thinking? Well, it's like, think about relieving anxiety as more like an on-the-spot treatment. Mm -hmm. You know, like right in this moment, I am feeling anxiety, so I'm going to take do some breathing. Mm -hmm. And there's all sorts of different pranayama, you know, breathing activities or um, breathing exercises and practices you can do. One of the most simple is just to breathe in through your nose, hold, and then breathe out. And and it's not just to tell people you were taking a deep breath. That actually calms down yeah, the nervous your nervous system. So real so, quick, so I feel yeah. like there's no good or bad in any of these things. No numbing, relieving, and healing. But I would start the numbing from this side of the spectrum. Right. Like sometimes we do, to to survive, we need to numb it out for a second yeah. or whatever. Like so, and you could also numb in a in a not healthy way. Right, numbing okay? has a continuum. Right, and, right. So, and so, to, so numbing, relieving, healing. Yeah, okay. and, and it's just when we use, because I'm such a wordy, the word numbing, I think, just carries such a negative connotation True. that that's why relieving feels better yeah. because numbing is where there's like an inability or unwillingness to look at it. Yeah, I almost feel like numbing is like a momentary escape to survive right. the moment. Right. And sometimes we need to just distract ourselves with something else because it's too overwhelming. But and that's why I feel like that's why numbing belongs over here yeah. on the on the on you the line. You guys can't see Todd's hand. We'll but, just yeah. put it on the, you know, mm -hmm. it's on the left side. Yeah. And then as we move right, it gets a little bit more healthy. Yeah. And and if numbing becomes our only way, because like Todd's right, like sometimes I've been in situations where I've been super nervous or feeling that, you know, anxiety in my body. And I've kind of got into an autopilot mode, <laughs> like where I'm, and Todd and I will leave the situation and I'll say, I don't even remember what I said. You know what I mean? And there was kind of a, like a clamping down and like a numbing of like, I'm in a different place. And, and cause I have to be, because I'm so nervous. Um, and then there's times when I become really highly conscious of, I'm feeling nervous and I'm going to take a deep breath and I'm going to be here and I'm going to be present because what is mindfulness? Staying here. It's just noticing now. There are times when I don't want to notice now. <laughs> I'm trying to not feel now because now is so scary um, for whatever reason. And so it it just depends on what the situation is. But I will go back to what you asked. Relieving is on the spot and healing is a deeper dive into why do I always feel anxious at this time? Why does this come up? Like the thing that I've had to work on over the last year or two is a thing that I've really noticed is when my kids were young, I was really good at separating from what was going on in their lives. So what I mean by that is if you listen to our podcast from 10 years ago, I was really good. I was not enmeshed with my kids. I was like with them all the time, interested, curious, concerned when necessary. But when they struggle, I'd be like, well, that struggle is their struggle. And and I know that I'm here to support them and, and be here for them, but I don't need to get involved. Something kind of ticked the other way when my girls became teenagers. And I think if I'm understanding from my from my own therapy is what I've learned is that it's because I have a lot more memories of this time. I'm a lot more conscious of my own experiences 
that are similar to the experiences they're having now. I also, around seventh and eighth grade, that's when I started having like my most um, existential crises, <laughs> if I think I would say it, like where I really started to feel the terror of life and the challenges and, and I made some poor choices, I got in trouble. Um, and I think I just am more hyper aware of who I was at that time and things that I don't want them to experience. What that means is I am a, a little more enmeshed or I will say over-identified with them. That's the language that I have used where when they come home sad, I feel more like, oh. Do you remember, do you know what my first memory of is of you struggling? My over-identification? Yes. What? Do you have a guess or no? Yeah. What is it? Well, I, I don't know. You tell me. When uh, one of our daughters decided they want to go up for the cheer team. Um, maybe. I'm just like, wow, you are really, I'm like, I, I, and you know, you're a woman, you did all that when you were younger. So I did not, I couldn't relate as much. Maybe if I had a son and it was about the basketball cuts or whatever, I would have identified with it more. I'm just like, yeah, she's, she's going to go out for it and maybe she'll be good. Maybe she'll be bad. Maybe she'll make the team. Maybe she won't. And I just remember being like, wow, this is really making you work hard. Yeah. I think, I think it started before then, but I think that's a good example of like where things started to feel, you know, it's kind of, it's interesting because Todd and I, you know, the way that we chose to be in relationship with the girls and raise the girls was in a way of like, go be yourself, right? And 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 make your own choices and we support you in being who you are and all these things that are really, that I still firmly believe and we practice in our home. But there are times, especially in high school settings where that is, that's challenging. Mm -hmm. And there is a, for parents, for kids, and even though we've stood by it, you have to ride the waves of sometimes conformity is easier in this situation or sometimes um, just following the party line is easier. Now, we didn't backpedal, but I can't tell you that it wasn't always hard, yeah. you know, or that it was always easy. Um, you know, now that I have a daughter in college and I see the decisions she's making and how she can do them on her own and everything, you're like, okay, that's, you know, but there are times when it just, when you tell your kids that, or when your kids know inherently that they can do what they want to do, make their own choices, start a team, quit a team, um, you know, try something new, not try something new because they're not interested in it. And you kind of just want to be like, if you just did A, B, and C, it would be so much easier. Now, the truth is we don't really know that to be true. Right. We just think A, B, and C would make things easier. We're uncomfortable and we are falling back on our history yeah. of this is what we did to feel more comfortable. They need that struggle. They need to confront things that are challenging. I don't... Uh, I don't want that path paved for them because that's how they Learn. become young adults who know how to make decisions and trust themselves. And so, know how to deal with setbacks. But all. man, in the moment, ouch, oh. it's rough. And I have had to really work on not over-identifying. It's like what I've kind of explained to my therapist is in that moment, I am not getting involved. Like I know to not get involved, but the way I feel internally is so difficult. Mm -hmm. So even if they don't know it, I'm struggling and I would like to decrease that. I would like to have more trust and more awareness of my own anxiety and where it's coming from. And that's what I've been working on is these root causes and the things that I did and the choices I made. And it's really enlightening and illuminating. Like I shared 
it's not for a podcast, but I shared with Todd the other day, like all these threads that I pulled together and it's so interesting, but it came from recognizing my own anxiety around things. Like, why does this thing bother me? Why, instead of just taking a deep breath and relieving it, moving on, what is this about? So <clears throat> you mentioned your therapist. Uh-huh. So you had a really helpful session, uh-huh. right? Yeah. Would you put that in the numbing anxiety, relieving oh. anxiety, or healing? Healing. Anxiety? And let me be clear. This is why I want to be really thoughtful about the word healing. I don't mean it's gone. Yeah. I mean that it had feel it fills me with less terror. Yeah, you gave it less strength. I now see it. It comes up no matter what. You guys, healing doesn't mean something's gone. When you have had something that you have dealt with, if it be a trauma, a struggle, physical injury, emotional injury, spiritual injury, there's always going to be some kind of scar. You know, like what you're trying to do is decrease its its rawness. Mm-hmm. You're trying to you're trying to integrate it into who you are and accept it as part of your story instead of push it away, numb it, or keep it wide open so you're really reactive to the world where everything, you know, the people who say, don't go there, don't touch that, don't, it's somebody who has like not maybe dealt with an aspect that they don't even want to know is there. And I think that the curiosity of, I seem to get really upset about this thing that nobody else seems to get as upset about as I do is such an opportunity for when I'm using the word healing for awareness and decreasing that anxiety, which it has. Yeah. I can feel the difference. Like there's one day I came home and I said to Todd, my God, like, you know, one of our girls was sharing something and I could feel the space again between she and I. And and I was just as curious and supportive of her, but I wasn't processing it through my body. It, yeah. yeah. Like I was like, thank goodness, because they don't need me to do that. No, you're That's not, not even, helping them. Yeah. You're not, you're not serving them when you do that. No, I, they, so then is, they have to worry about my feelings. So this is what we've been talking about forever, which is carry our own bags. Yeah. yeah. So you have bags, trauma from childhood. Yeah. And you are working through the carrying those bags and not passing them to our chil- children. And can I use, because you use pain and trauma, let's also use dreams and expectations. Mm-hmm. Because sometimes people will be like, well, I don't have that as a trauma. You know, some trauma has become too mainstream yeah. in like that people think, you know, it's kind of like we were talking about with cults. People are like, I wouldn't get involved in that. I don't have that trauma. I don't have trauma. You have dreams and expectations that you may that be may be conscious, subconscious, but then when your children do something different than those dreams and expectations, right. it throws you off. And you are like, wait, my value system, honor my value system, honor, you know, I played soccer, you play soccer. You've been dancing for 10 years. Keep dancing because that's what I want you to be. And we, and if our kids come to us and say, that's not, that's not me. I, I don't want that anymore. Or or, you know, they don't love math and you loved math and they're getting a C and you always got an A and understanding they're not you yeah. and you need to support them and all those feelings you're having about, but I expected them to be a certain way. It's not that you'll ever completely not feel that. It'll be that you won't be reactive to it. Right. Is that, is that better? Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. So how do we want to close this up? Well, I mean, I guess, you know, look at this. I have, I have like, I actually, Todd and I always talk about how when we um, do a show, we'll usually just write down a word or a thought that we want to focus on and then we'll just, you know, elaborate and, you know, share stories. And today I actually wrote down a bunch of things that we didn't get to. Imagine that. Um, I know. But, you know, I think what I'll say is, you know, let's just bring compassion in at the end here. 
when we are uncomfortable or when we're experiencing anxiety, there's nothing wrong with you that you want to push it away because we're also hardwired to not want to be uncomfortable, right? This is the the multiple ways we are created. We are created to manage being outside of that comfort zone and to grow and to stretch and to have, you know, to become bigger and better people. Um, we are also hardwired in a way where discomfort is that word because it's discomfort and yeah. we don't want it anymore. And so that's okay that you're like, but I don't like it. It's like totally, yeah. it's so human yeah. and I get it. And you know, like Todd, you being on the deck and you wanted to watch football and you felt uncomfortable and you're like, I have to go do something else. Cause I don't like this discomfort. There's nothing weak about that. Mm -hmm. There's nothing like, Oh, you're unevolved. Right. It's not that it's just a, you know, like you and I talked about it afterwards. I said, what is the problem with sitting out on the deck um, watching football? And 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 I don't know, it, it, to close, can you answer that? What does that mean to you I just, by yourself? Um, I feel the need, I mean, it's a whole nother podcast, but I got to keep continuing to be productive. And if you don't? Um, things are going to back up on me. And if things back up on you? then I'll get stressed or sad or afraid or mad. Okay. So I, you're trying to decrease a feeling a that could potentially potential show potential uncomfortable feeling. And you would back now, because there's people in the world who can procrastinate, have 80,000 emails they haven't read, and they don't get sad or mad. Yeah. So what did you learn? Who taught you to hustle? <laughs> um, probably my mom. Yeah. Yeah. She's a hustler. Always now, be moving. And again, when I say that, I don't mean it's her fault. She right. had to. Right. She was a hustler because she was putting the kids through school and working hard and and she also enjoyed it. Mm -hmm. Um, but and she wasn't the only role model. Mm -hmm. You know, there was like other experiences that you had where you're like, I wanna be this kind of productive person in the world. It could have been a boss, it could have yeah. been a friend. It's not about blaming parents. No, it's no. just how can we kind of it's the curiosity, yeah. it's the digging in, like why and, and sometimes once we dig into it and we look at it or process it or journal about it or whatever, then we can watch football. Yeah. You know? All right. Um thank you for closing that up for us, my darling. Um Kathy has a book. It's called Zen Parenting. Yeah. Parenting for ourselves and our children in an unpredictable, unpredictable world. So talk about ever changing and uh, you know, uncertain. Um, if you have read it and you liked it, you feel like you could give it a five-star review, please do that on Amazon. It is just one of those things that we need um, as as authors so I can write more books. I'm actually writing another book right now um, and it helps. And I also... Um, for the podcast. If you love the podcast, if you've been listening or you're, if you've been listening a long time or if you're new, um, writing a five-star review um, or giving it five stars, it is helpful to the podcast. So those are the things if someone was like, well, what could I do? You know, I've been listening a long time. Just review it in a positive way. If you, if you don't feel like you can do that, then just don't, yeah. just don't do anything. <laughs> Um, Stop right there. Shout out to all the guys out there. If there's any guys that want to connect with Men Living, uh, I'm the executive director of it. We create spaces to help men um, communicate vulnerably, and it's just a wonderful organization. So go to menliving.org and sign up for the Wednesday newsletter. And anything else, my darling? I think that's it. I hope everybody has a great week, and we will talk to you soon. All right. Take Keep trucking. <laughs>
Thanks for listening, everyone. If you have appreciated or enjoyed a decade of Zen Parenting Radio podcasts, please tell a friend or leave a five-star review. We are always grateful for your support. If you want more Zen Parenting, consider joining Team Zen, pre-ordering Kathy's Zen Parenting book, or subscribing to Zen Parenting Moment. You can find these opportunities and more at zenparentingradio.com. If you want to connect through social networking, you can follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Keep trucking, and we will talk to you again next week.